0: We're in part two of a series entitled Getting Past Your Past. And we've all heard the old saying that you can't change your past, right? We've all heard that. But this series really isn't about changing your past. It's about changing the way the past affects us. That's what we're looking at. Everybody here has a past. I have a past. You have a past. If you have been like living longer than a day, you have a past. Isn't that deep? It's crazy, I know. Uh, A lot of us, the biggest thing that keeps us from moving past and getting past our past is really the hurt that people have done to us and on us and towards us. And I asked this question last week. I'm going to ask it again. How many of y'all would you raise your hands if nobody has ever, ever hurt you? All right, very good. That's good because we not only have honest people in here, Um, But we also know that all of us, we've had people that hurt us and have done some things against us and to us, and that always hurts us. One of the things that we're going to be looking at is, um, and really our big idea today, we're going to be getting there in a little bit, but so many times people who hurt us, we become hurt, and then we have a tendency to now turn around and actually hurt other people. And uh, there's something about... This idea that we've, we all hold on to grudges. We all hold on to grudges and we start to intentionally remember. We choose to hold on, we choose to dig in, and we intentionally remember. And, and, and it's like we, we're not going to forget it. We're going to keep on bringing it up. We're going to keep on thinking about it. And we feel like that if we hold on to this hurt, then it gives us some type of control. That if we hold on to the hurt, we're going to gain something. With, if we don't forgive, we're going to gain something. And actually, it's going to hurt them if we choose not to forgive. Um, And, uh, you know, many times people think this well, if I forgive, um, then somehow I'm going to be justifying the act that this person has done towards me. And we start having imaginary conversations in our head. How many of y'all have ever had an imaginary conversation with somebody who's hurt you? I have. Let me tell you how it usually goes in my mind. I don't know if it goes this way in yours, okay? Usually, uh, in a random place, I'm walking, and I see this individual who's hurt me, he or she, whoever it is. And um, I start to talk to them and start telling them off. You know, and and, and usually a crowd starts to gather. And as I'm telling them off, they're starting to agree with me. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you need to listen to him. And then after a while, as I'm starting to tell this person off, um, what usually happens is the person who's who's wronged me or done something vindictive against me, they'll start to cry. And I'm not talking like just a regular cry. I'm talking about one of those ugly cries. You know what I'm saying? Where there's snot. And there's and there's and there's tears and it's a, and they can't breathe. You know, it's an ugly cry. It's just like, ugh, right? And and after a while, and then everybody, the entire crowd, everybody knows what this person has done to me. That's usually has the conversation kind of goes in my mind. Let me tell you how often how happen, how often that's happened. Zero. All right, because you may be like me. I usually don't think of the zingers until about 30 to 45 minutes afterwards. Sometimes it's maybe two or three days afterwards, right? It's like, oh, I should have said that or I should have done this or whatever. And we've all, we have imaginary conversations that we can continue to play and replay and play and replay. And if you do that and if I do that, then one of the things that we got to realize is that we are holding on to a grudge. We are holding on to a hurt. Now, quick question. By holding on to grudges, does it ever really help us? No. Exactly right. Remember this. The longer you hold a grudge, the longer the grudge has a hold on you. So what we're going to do is this message is kind of broken into two parts. The first we're talking about why we should forgive. All right, we need we're going to talk about the why we should forgive and the last part of this message We're going to talk about the how because we need to get very practical and we need to apply this because we can all say Yeah, okay. I think I should forgive but most of us We don't know realistically what that looks like and more importantly what that feels like And even more important than that that guess what decisions always come before feelings See some of you are like well, I don't feel like forgiving and we say, we kind of constitute that that forgiveness and feeling are kind of the same thing, and they're not. They're not. Um, we can choose to forgive even though we don't have the feelings, we don't want to forgive them. So let's look at first... At the why, and by the way, as I'm teaching up here, my phone number is going to be on the screen. So if you want to kind of text and and, and text your questions up to me and play uh, uh, you know a stump the chump, you're more than welcome to do that. All right. So um, let's look at the why. Why we can forgive. Why we should forgive. The first reason is because because unforgiveness hurts me. Because unforgiveness. Hurts me. That's the first reason why we should forgive. Look at what Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 says. See to it that no one misses the, what does it say? Grace of God. Okay, let's talk about it. How, can we, how many of y'all want grace? I want grace, right? I especially want it from God, right? Now, how, how can we miss the grace of God? Next part. We miss the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. Some, some of us, we are holding a grudge and it's like a bitter root. It's a root of bitterness. We're not even completely aware of it because we've kind of learned to function with a grudge. But trust me, if you ask people who have relationships with you, they would tell you, uh, yeah, you got issues, right? I mean, if they were really honest with you. If they were really honest with you, they would say, you know what, because of your unforgiveness, because of a pain that's been done to you, maybe um, done to your family, maybe a husband done to you or a wife done to you, it's like it's poisoning all of your relationships. And here's the the thing about this. A root of bitterness is like a cancer to our souls and a cancer to our relationships. Eventually, it will eat us away and it will eat all the positive things away as well. Now, Quick question, and this is some, you know, this, we're okay, we're safe in here, okay? Got the doors locked, we're good. How many of y'all, you'd say, you know what, I'm naturally kind of a negative person? You mind? All right, some people, okay, cool. Nothing wrong with that. You know, there's some people that are more optimists, some that are a pessimist. You know, this is one of those things that when we choose not to forgive... What we end up doing is we start feeding a part of our souls and it will start overtaking the good part. And uh, for some of you that um, that maybe you're a little, a little bit more optimistic, you'd say, you know what, it may be a little easier for me to do that and to kind of forgive and move on. I, I'll be honest with you. I think whether you're optimistic or pessimistic, I just think it's difficult because nobody wants to forgive. I don't. I mean, we feel like, you know what, if I forgive then I'm saying it's okay what they did, right? I'm, I'm saying it's okay that they, that they stole my innocence. or they, I'm saying that it's okay that you know, they lied or gossiped or whatever, whatever somebody has done to you. We think if I forgive, then I'm saying, you know what, it was okay to do that. But here's the thing we have to realize. The reason why we should forgive, the first reason is that unforgiveness hurts me. Here's our big idea today. Our big idea today is simply this. When we don't forgive, it poisons us and poisons our relationships. When we, when you and I choose not to forgive, and hear me, it's a choice. It's not a feeling, it's a choice. It poisons us. And it poisons all of our relationships. Maybe the reason why you're not naturally connecting with other people is because you keep on you know, choosing not to forgive about something that's happened years ago to you. And it's it's affecting your present relationships. The past can't affect your present relationships. When we don't forgive, it poisons us and it poisons our relationships. That's huge. Um, you know, one of the things about uh, forgiveness and choosing not to forgive, Anne Lamont said it like this: unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping that it kills the other person. Right? Now, let me let me just talk to you about a great theological work that um, that all of us you probably have on your phones. It's called Angry Birds. How many of y'all tell the truth, shame the devil, you got angry angry birds in one form or another somewhere on your computer, iPad, iPod, iPod, anything like that? Anybody? All right, okay. How many of y'all have played Angry Birds? Not everybody. All right. Uh, Once you can leave here today, you can go out to the iPad kiosk and play Angry Birds, okay? You have my permission. Here's the thing about Angry Birds, and I've talked about this before, but these birds are what? Angry. Angry. And they're angry at who? pigs why are they angry at the pigs because they stole their eggs so fortunately for these for these birds they have a slingshot and and these pigs have kind of barricaded themselves up uh, so these birds Put themselves in the slingshot and launch them headlong into bricks and mortar and glass and wood. And what happens to the birds after they hit? They explode. They go boom. They go, right? Now, why in the world, if you're a bird and especially an angry bird, would you launch yourself and blow yourself up because of your anger? And we were like, yeah, that's dumb. But yet, many of us, we do that every day, don't we? Because when we choose to unforgive, it's like drinking poison expecting the other person to die. That's huge. All of us, we need to forgive for the selfish reason that, you know what? Unforgiveness hurts me. And it hurts you. Let me give you another reason. Reason two. Why we should forgive, because I will need forgiveness again. I will need forgiveness again. And get this, you will need forgiveness again. Jesus talked a lot about forgiveness. And he tells a story about forgiveness in Matthew chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there or go to your uh, iPhones for a U version or it'll be on the screen. And um, let me give you some context about uh, what's happening. Jesus and his disciples, Peter is kind of the head disciple, if you will, he's a hothead. And, uh, Peter's the type of dude, he'd rather slice your ear off than to talk to you. In fact, he did that in the Bible. And, um, uh, you know, Peter, he asked, he asked Jesus a question and, uh, the question is on the screen. It says this. And then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Now that's some of you, that's some of your question today. How often really realistically? I mean, how often do I got to allow this to happen? And let me tell you, in that context, in that day, the culture said you uh, you would allow somebody three chances, all right? Three chances, and if they mess you over on the fourth, you don't forgive them. So my boy Pete, he does some mathematics, all right, because he was, you know, he was pretty, he was intelligent, you can tell. He takes three, he doubles it and adds one. He says, okay, seven times? And, and, and he's expecting Jesus to go, man, that's, you're, you're pretty gracious. Yeah. Seven times. All right. What does Jesus say? No, not seven times. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. (laughs) Now, some of you, you're like, okay, 70 times seven, that is 490 times. And for some of you, you have a chart in your life and you're thinking, okay, that person has hurt me 476 times. And I'm getting close to the edge. What Really what Jesus is saying, it's bigger than the 490. He's saying we always should forgive. Everybody say the word always. We always should forgive. Why? Because there will become a time when all of us will need forgiveness again. We are never more like God when we choose to forgive someone who's hurt us. Because God always forgives us. I mean, think about that time. Think about that time where you lied. And some of you are like, huh, which time, right? Think about that time when you, that everybody has this one thing in their life, this one, this hitch in their soul and their character that they just keep on going back to. It may be an addiction. It may be telling the truth. It may be how you view yourself. And we all have this one thing. and, And every time we do it, we go back to God, God, please forgive me. And what does God always do? He always forgives us. I mean, think about this. How often have you asked God to forgive you about your big, your one big thing? And you would think, a lot, right? And you know what? He's going to continue to forgive you. He will. And because he continues to forgive us, we should forgive other people. In fact, Jesus tells another story to explain this. All right? He says this in Matthew chapter 18. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him how much? How much? Millions of dollars. Millions. I mean, this guy didn't owe him a couple hundred, a couple of thousand, 20, 000, millions of dollars. Wow. I mean, he could never repay that. Never repay that. And the text here, I mean, even says that he could never repay it. So this guy, what happens is he goes to the king and he begs forgiveness. I am sorry. And the king had every right to throw him into prison, had every right to expect him to pay it back. But you know what the king did? The king forgave what he owed him. He forgave the millions of dollars. That's awesome. I mean, you would think because this guy now who's been forgiven millions of dollars, because he's been forgiven much, he would forgive other people, right? Look what happens. What happens is he goes out into the street and he catches this guy who owes him a couple hundred bucks. And he grabs this guy by the neck, the one who's been forgiven much, and he says, give me my money. He says, man, I I don't have it. It's not in my pocket. I'll come back. And he says, no, I'm going to throw this person into jail. Well, this word gets back to the king who's forgiven this guy millions of dollars. And look what the king says. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? I mean, and the question is, the answer to that question, should he have mercy? What's the answer? Yes, he should. You would think those that had been forgiven much would be willing to forgive other people. Stop right there. I'm going to go here and, and just say, isn't it true, though, some of the most unforgiving, mean people many of us have ever met have been in church? I mean, seriously. And hear me, just in case I'm pointing fingers, I can point that finger to me. Because so many times, I look at what somebody has done to me, and I start, again, having imaginary conversations, and I dwell on it, and I'm like, man, can you just get over that? Right? And it's, and and I think sometimes my my Heavenly Father is up in heaven going, really? Seriously, you're going to do this? Do I even need to bring up Just this past week, Chris, I mean, sometimes some of the the most unforgiving people are people like us, even though we've been forgiven much. I'm going to keep on going because it's getting a little too convicting. Um, Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be what? What's that next word? Tortured tortured until he had paid his entire debt that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart that's a painful one right there huh some of you are experiencing a living hell of a torture chamber because you have chosen not to forgive someone you have ulcers You have sleepless nights. You have bitterness. It's affecting you and your outlook on life. It's affecting your relationships. You're having imaginary conversations. And these things are torturing and destroying your life. They're like a cancer to your soul. All because we choose anger and unforgiveness and bitterness. And they are destroying our life. Your life and my life. Let me tell you. Another reason why we should forgive is number 3 forgiveness frees us forgiveness frees us Matthew 6 Jesus says this if you forgive those who sin against you your heavenly father will forgive you but if you refuse to forgive others your father will not forgive your sins and that's that's really strong let me best way I can explain this is by referencing a movie. How many of y'all saw Les Miserables when it came? Okay, we saw Les Mis. And how many of y'all enjoyed it? All right. I'll be honest with you, the first time I watched it, I was like, eh, I didn't know what they are going to be singing the whole three hours. Seriously. I mean, like, you know, people are going to the bathroom and singing about it. I'm like, really? I mean, can we just not sing for 30 seconds, right? But I got to be honest with you, I watched it again, and I watched it, and I I just... I really like it. And that, let me tell you the whole premise. If you haven't seen the movie, I'll totally ruin it for you. Um, the main character, his name is Jean Valjean. And Jean Valjean, is as the movie starts, he is in a basically a prison camp. All right? Um, this guy, by the way, Jean Valjean is played by Hugh Jackman, otherwise known as wolverine is right right um this is about jean valjean's story he was put into prison for stealing a loaf of bread and not only just stealing a loaf of bread he was put into prison for stealing a loaf of bread for a nephew who was starving and he served his time 20 years for stealing a loaf of bread i mean that's kind of over the top he gets out and the, the policeman who basically gets him out, his name is Javert. He's the bad guy, if you will. And he's the guy who's always following the law, um, but doesn't, doesn't show any grace. And he gives Jean Valjean a little yellow piece of paper that's basically, you can't get work without your papers. And that paper says he is a convicted, dangerous felon. So he goes around uh, all over France trying to find a job. No one will give him a job. But finally, this old priest, he shows up at the doorstep of this old priest. And this priest lets him stay in his house that night. And he feeds him. And he clothes him. He gives him shelter. But in the middle of the night, Jean Valjean just feeling like he's trapped and he cannot change. And that this piece of paper will not let him change. He decides, you know what? I am going to go when nobody, when everybody's sleeping, nobody's awake. I'm going to steal all of the silverware. All of the silver. I'm going to steal it all that's worth possibly thousands of dollars. So in the middle of the night, he steals all of this stuff from this priest who showed him grace and love. And he leaves the next morning. And as he's kind of going throughout France, um, these uh, policemen see him they catch him and they bring him back to this old priest and they throw him down and said we've recovered your stolen goods and at that moment the priest had a decision what is he going to do i mean he has every right to say yes he stole from me and send him back to prison in fact that's what jean valjean is expecting but in that moment this godly christian priest decides to do something different he says you know what he didn't steal from me. I willingly gave that to him. In fact, Jean Valjean, you left the best because you left the two silver candlesticks. Here you go. And Jean Valjean is stunned because somebody has shown him forgiveness. Forgiveness. I mean, that is so amazing. And that one act that happens at the very beginning of the movie literally changes the entire direction of Jean Valjean's life because this priest turns to him and offers grace. And right after that, um, amazingly enough, Wolverine, Jean Valjean starts singing. And this is some of the lyrics he sings. Take an eye for an eye. Turn your heart Into stone, this is all I have ever known. But is there another way to go? Is there another way to go? Is there another way to go? The answer is yes. All of us, we can forgive. We don't have to get back. We don't have to go eye for eye. We can choose to forgive. Why? Because forgiveness always frees us us. It frees us from the poison of bitterness. So let's talk about how to forgive. we looked at the why to forgive. Let's apply this. Get this. 94% of Americans say that it is important to forgive, to forgive, but in that same study, 85% of Americans say that they don't know how to forgive. I mean, that's interesting. 85% of Americans say that they need to forgive someone. They just don't know how. So let me show you how we can forgive. Now, if you're a Christian, um, uh, you know, I would say, you know, this is going to be maybe a little bit easier for you. If you're not a Christian, this is going to be a little bit more difficult. If you normally don't go to church, as you kind of dig into this, um, it's going to be, I'll just be honest with you. Your pushback is, well, I'm not one of you guys. And you know what? I totally understand that. But it's my prayer as we go through the how that you could realize that God can even forgive you. The first one, how? The first thing I want to tell you is to pray for them. Now, again, you're expecting me to say that because I'm a preacher, right? All right? But seriously, seriously, we have to pray for them. And let me tell you what not to pray. Some of you are like, oh, I'll pray. I'll pray. I'll pray that God sends lightning, gives them hemorrhoids. I will pray for them, right? That's not the type of praying I'm, I'm, I'm telling you to do. You know, and some of you are like, well, I don't feel like praying. Okay. Again, I can understand that. Uh, how, again, but there's a lot of things that we do in this life that we don't feel like doing that we do. Right. How many of y'all feel like going to work tomorrow? None of us. Right. I mean, if there was a national holiday that we could get out, we would go. I'm on the lake, baby, tomorrow. Right. I mean, it's beautiful outside. Right. I mean, none of us feel like going, but we do it anyway. Right, So we need to pray for them, and it may just be as short as God bless them. But here's the thing. As you start praying for them, I mean, you think about it. We looked at this last week. Jesus is hanging on the cross. They are literally killing Jesus, and what does Jesus do? He prays for them. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. I mean, what's interesting in Matthew 5.43, he says this. You have heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. In other words, that's kind of the popular teaching there. Eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, life for a life. Somebody cuts off your arm, you cut off their arm. Somebody steals from you, you steal from them. Somebody maligns your reputation and gossips. You, are, you're, you, know, you gossip about them. I mean, that's kind of what we do, right? Look at what Jesus says in verse 44. But I say, what should we do? We should what? Love your enemies. And do what? Pray for those who persecute you. Chances are pretty good that some of you say, I don't, again, I don't want to pray for them. I don't feel like it, but let me tell you, sometimes it takes the right actions to trigger the right feelings. I'm going to say that one more time. That's worth writing down or tweeting. Just saying. Sometimes it takes the right actions to trigger the right feelings. If you start to pray, you know what you're going to realize? For praying may not change the other person, but you know who it will change? Let me let me say this. If you're married in here, right actions trigger the right feelings. I don't feel like I'm in love with her anymore. I don't feel like I'm love with, with love with him with anymore. Well again, right actions trigger the right feelings. If you start doing what you did when you were dating, guess what you will start experiencing again? You will start experiencing the right feelings. You see, maybe the reason why you fell out of love is because you fell out of dating. You fell out of doting. You fell out of loving and doing the things that you used to do. Right actions always trigger the right feelings. That's huge. Let me tell you, another way that we can be able to do this, we pray for them, but secondly, we are to forgive as you have been forgiven. Now, again, if you're not, um, if you don't have a relationship with God, this is going to be difficult for you. Because you're like, "Uh, you know, I don't, I really don't know how I've been forgiven with God. But the same way God is forgiving you, we are to forgive other people. And how does God forgive us? He forgives us constantly. He forgives us completely. And in that same way, we are to forgive other people like this. Look at what Colossians 3.13 says. It says this bear with each other stop right there some of you your relationships there's a lot of bear in it it's messy it's nasty and some relationships are like that i'm sorry i don't know why it is but as you bear with each other i mean sometimes it's it's just not going to be easy it's not going to be clean but you're going to bear with them and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another Okay, well, how do I do that? Look at this next part. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That is how you forgive. You forgive as the Lord forgave you. How does God forgive? I mean, He forgives us daily, weekly. This is not a word, but it's great theology. Minutely, every minute. Right? I mean, he, he is willing to offer his forgiveness. And that's how you and I are to forgive. Now, let me say this. Some of you are like, okay, I'm in an abusive relationship. He is beating me. What should I do? Should I forgive? The answer? You get out and you forgive. You see, forgiveness doesn't mean you stay in an abusive relationship. In fact, some of you ladies, if you're in an abusive relationship, we got some guys here at One Church that just got saved. And, I mean, they're barely saved. You come in, you give me his name, we'll take care of it. There are some guys, like I said, there are some guys that will do anything for $50. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm joking almost. Um, I'm serious, right? My point is this. If you are in a dangerous situation, you need to get out of that situation today. See, some of you, I mean, your spouse is kind of like, you know, if he hits you, and he's saying, you know what, you're, yeah, you're to forgive. Yes, you are supposed to forgive, but you don't have to take that type of abuse ever again, ever. You can forgive from far away. And some of you, that's exactly what you need to do. You're to forgive. Now let's talk about the last one. How to forgive, where we are to forgive and move on. How many of y'all ever heard of the thing, forgive and forget? Huh. Can you really forget? No. Unless you have you know, some type of memory problem, you can't. And I'm telling you, that's kind of, a, a you know, kind of a no-brainer. I mean, we can't forgive, but here's what we can do. We can forgive and we can move on. We can forgive and move on. This is our last verse we're going to look at, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. It says this, love keeps no record of being wronged. Love keeps no record of being wronged. You see, some of us, that's what we do, is we keep records. And that's what just keep it on bringing it up and bringing it up. You can forgive and you can move on and you can choose not to remember it. All right, that's huge. How many of y'all ever heard the whole saying, you can't prevent a bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent it from making a nest in your head. Anybody ever heard that? Not the only one. I think I'm the th- you and me. All right, thank you. All right, cool. Here, and that's kind of what I'm talking about here. You see you, if somebody's heard you, especially if that wound is fresh, you're going to naturally drift towards that individual's name. You're going to naturally start going, right? Have those images, And that's when you pray for them and you start thinking about something else. Um, you pray for them and you start thinking about something else. Let me I'll say it another way. Forgiveness is aerobic. All right? Forgiveness is aerobic. Now, hang out with me just for a sec. If, if you want to get in shape, what do you have to do? You go to the gym, you, get, you do some cardio, you work out for 20 minutes, and you do it one time, and you're done, right? No, that's my problem, right? I worked out six years ago, and it, like, what happened? I'm, I'm joking. My point is, if you if you want to get in shape, you have to continue doing the same things over and over again. It is aerobic. Right, if you want to get in shape, you got to keep on doing the things, and then once you get in shape, you can just quit, right? No, right? You got to keep on doing it. Forgiveness is the same way. You see, each time and every time you renounce your resentment and refuse to hurt the other person, refuse to get even, even, and you remember that there's all you, you kind of I mean, you could think of all kinds of ways that you can hurt them and get back. A harsh word, a cold shoulder, talking about them behind their back. I mean, uh, you know, thinking about them in certain ways, you know, that you could just like to, all, all this stuff. If you choose, every time you choose not to do that, you become more like Jesus. And every time you choose not to dwell on that forgiveness, but to pray for them and to forgive just as Christ has forgiven you and move on and think about something else, eventually what will happen is that pain. Will go away, that pain will go away. I I, I want to say this. I don't want to sugarcoat anything. Some of you, you have went through some deep, dark pain in your lives, and uh, the only way you're going to be able to get past it is through counseling. That's one of the things. It's one of the reasons why. Uh, just recently, uh, Jared Hodges, he's on our team. In fact, Jared, if you're here, uh, I'd love for you to join me. So wherever you're at, um, Jared, um, he is getting his degree. In counseling. And uh, as I've been teaching this message, I've, we've gotten a lot of questions up here. And uh, I want to introduce you guys, Jared Hodges. Y'all say hello to Jared. And um, Jared and I are going to be fielding some questions from you guys. So, there you go, Bubba. Thanks, love. Absolutely. All right. Um, so, let's start digging into some of you guys' questions uh, as we uh, end. All right. We'll kind of do this together. All right. Let's see. Let's start here. Uh, This is um, uh, from an individual who says, how do you learn to forgive God when you feel that he is responsible for taking away your loved ones? It's been 10 years and I'm still upset. Again, you don't... I I can jump in and I don't want to put you on the spot, but... That's the one you... uh, All right, sounds good. You know, I I know that some of us, we do have this thing where we, we struggle with forgiving God because he could... Have intervened. I mean, God is all powerful. We believe that. He could have intervened, but He chose not to. What do you do with that? I guess the thing, because I've, I've experienced pain in my life where I blamed God. Um, I think I would encourage you to do is God has big shoulders in the fact that He already knows what you're thinking and feeling. I would just tell that to Him God, I'm angry at you. I'm frustrated with you. And you could have done something and you didn't. And I don't know why. And the thing I'd encourage you to do would be two things. Number one, I just start digging into God's word. And you will see there are some people in the Bible who kind of just vomit on God all of their junk. David did that all the time. All right. And a lot of the prophets in the Old Testament did that all the time. God, you could have done something. Why didn't you? And here's the thing, when we're starting being real with God, I don't think we have to fake it around God to make it. I think we can be real with, real with him and just say, I don't understand why, but I still choose to trust you. And then get yourself around some healthy people um, who are not continuing to dwell upon maybe the pain and can give you some perspective. Because many times the biggest thing that we lose when we get hurt is our perspective. And let me tell you, that's where um, going to a counselor can help out tremendously. That's where being in a community group can really help you give some perspective. Um, I'll tell you, there's been been some times and things that's happened to me in my past that I have to step back, look back, and I have to say, okay, somebody, uh, other people, give me perspective because I'll lose that when I get hurt. Anything you want to add to that?
1: Yeah, uh, one of the things that,
0: uh, that Chris is mentioning there,
1: uh, if we believe that... Uh God is in control of all things. One of the things that we can do is look and see what is it exactly that God is teaching us from the experiences. Uh, sometimes God allows things to happen to us. I mean, Job is a private example of that. And if, you, if you're not familiar with the story of Job, here's a man who's standing there one day, and uh, three of his servants come running up to him. And tell him that he's basically lost all his children in one uh, catastrophe. And he's lost all his flocks and herds in another catastrophe. And then another guy, even as they're speaking, comes running up to him and says, you've just lost all everything else. And so in a matter of minutes, he loses everything going from, as the Bible put it, one of the most rich men in the world, uh, one one of the most wealthy men in the world, to having absolutely nothing. And God has allowed these things in his life, these terrible events in his life, to show him the greater picture of who he is, of who God is, and how God builds him back up and uh, how God uses these tragic events to show him love and mercy, God's uh, almighty power. So it could be one of those things, and one of these things we just talk about together. And uh, like Chris said, find somebody with some really deep spiritual perspective to uh, help guide you through this process.
0: I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty mad at you right now because you answered that much better than I did. So, uh, I forgive you. Anyway, (laughs) you can tell this dude has a lot more wisdom than I do. Here's another one. Uh, After forgiving, is it wrong to unfriend them? Of course, again, we're talking about Facebook, I assume. And and let me just say this. Um, You need to confront before you unfriend. I would say that. I'm going to talk about this a lot next week. What do you do when you are the one that needs to ask for forgiveness? Um, but I will say this. It, I don't think it is wrong to unfriend them. And let me tell you the reason why. Is you you can forgive someone, but you don't have to have the reminders of all their stuff in front of you all the time. You hear me? That's huge. I mean, um, there's some times where, you know, somebody's maybe hurt you. And again, you've talked to them, you've confronted them, you've forgiven them, but you don't need to have them on their newsfeed. feed. Uh, somebody, I think it was our family pastor this past week, uh, he says, you know, you don't have to unfriend somebody, but you can stop following them. Again, uh, I th- that may be a good thing as well. Um, so, uh, but again, before you, you know, before you unfriend, before I, w- I would ha- have that uh, talk with the individual again. We're going to be talking a lot about this, uh, what to do about this with Facebook and T- stuff. Talk with them, but not not confront on Facebook. I would say. Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> no, I mean that's exactly right. You, in in, in this digital age, I think the, the younger generation we have a tendency to, um, to kind of we text. We send out these little zip texts or emails. That's not how you have hard conversations. You hear me? In fact, we're going to look at this verse next week, but it says in Matthew uh, chapter 18, I want to say it's verse 15 and 16, it says, If you have a, a problem with your brother, you go to them one on one. It doesn't say you send them a zinger through Facebook, right? Or Twitter or whatever. So, but again, to answer your question, I don't think it is wrong uh, to do that. But you talk to them first. But but again, I, I think sometimes I think it's healthy not to have all that junk in front of you. Sometimes. So All right, got a lot of good questions here. Um, how can you forgive a sibling that cares less if I forgive him? Non-Christian who is not willing to talk with me and work it out.
1: Oh, I had a question was similar to that asked one time. Can, should you forgive somebody who's not asking for forgiveness? And if you look at Christ's example, one of the things that he does, even in the Lord's Prayer, uh, he says, forgive those who sin against us. Sin in against us in the Lord's us. Prayer. Yep. Yeah, in the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. But then also, as Christ is hanging on the cross, as we just come out of Easter, as Christ is hanging on the cross, he prays, he says, Father, forgive them because not, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know that they are killing the Son of God. They don't know that they are nailing uh, God to this cross, and they don't know. Nor did they ask. Nor did they care for God's forgiveness at that time. So they so God is God in Christ is saying, "Forgive them, forgive them, mm. forgive them." And so Christ offers forgiveness. And if we take on the uh, the characteristics of God and model our life like Christ, then we're to do the same. Mm. We forgive. It doesn't. They don't have to care. They don't have to know. But like Chris was saying earlier, part of forgiveness is for ourselves and to be unleashed from uh, from the burden of, of of bitterness that we hold, or from that small root of bitterness that can take hold in our life. So forgiving somebody, even if they don't know, is a very godly thing to do.
0: Absolutely great. I, I have nothing to add to that. You nailed that one. Got two uh, from uh, one individual. Uh, by the way, I don't know who you are, so you're uh, anonymous. Um, Unless I got you in my phone. Um, uh, how do you forgive while also setting up boundaries in relationships? And there's a, you have another question here in a um, i would just say this. You forgive and you set up boundaries. It, let's say you're in a situation where your spouse is, is uh, doing some things online that he or she is not doing. Maybe contacting you know, people through email, Twitter, Facebook, uh, whatever. Uh, maybe doing something online that's not healthy. Uh, Maybe there's pornography involved. Should you forgive them? The answer is yes, you should forgive them. However, you also need to put up some boundaries. Uh, You need to have all of his or her passwords. There are some things that you can do. Uh, You can go to uh, this resource, XXXChurch.com, XXX.Church.com xxxchurch.com, and they will give you free software called, uh, I think it's called Covenant Eyes or Safe Eyes. Um, and uh, and again, you, th- that's boundaries. You, so it's not just, hey, I'm going to forgive, and you can continue to do whatever you want to. Uh-uh. You have to put up boundaries. And if that person continues to do that, then you may have to take some further consequences. And even those further consequences you take, you still forgive them. All right, next question. I want to forgive but struggle with actually being able to let my anger and hurt go. How do you actually do that? A lot of prayer. Uh,
1: just, just a lot of prayer. Uh, it's natural. It's natural for us to hurt. It's natural for us to be angry. In fact, uh, if you look in Ephesians, it says, uh, it says be angry but sin not. Uh, one of the things that God allows us to do is to be angry. But in that anger, it has to be a loving anger. We have to be angry at the sin that's being caused, not at the person. It is okay to be angry. It's okay to be angry with the hurt that is being caused. But we're to continue loving the people just as God loves us. As Chris was saying earlier, you know, how many times does God forgive us? Every time we sin, when we ask, when we turn to God and we say, God, forgive us our sins. God is faithful and just to forgive us. And so we are to offer the same type of forgiveness because of the great
0: mercy that we've received from God. And I just say this, what we said, forgiveness is aerobic. The more you do it, even if you don't feel like doing it, it will eventually get easier. It will eventually, you will stop dwelling on it every minute. You will. I promise you, you will. How, how do I know that? Because I've seen that happen in my life. I have. Um, do you need to hear the person who's wronged you to admit what they've done in order to completely forgive? The answer is no, not at all. Uh, that person may never, ever admit that they're wrong, but you're still to offer forgiveness. Why? Because our Heavenly Father forgives us. Um, a couple of other questions. If you confront someone and they don't want to hear and keep attacking, what do you do? Well, um, we're going to be looking at this one next week, but um, uh, Matthew eighteen fifteen and 16, if you have a problem with your brother, go to them one-on-one. If they don't listen, you take another person with you, and if they don't listen after that, you bring it in front of the church. And, uh, I tell you, um, we've seen that happen here. I mean, we don't bring it in front of you guys, but what we'll do is we'll see, um, we'll talk to small groups if they're involved in a small group and we'll work through that small group, through that process of restoration and reconciliation, but there has to be confrontation. And so I think you are to confront if they don't listen. Um, you know what? There's a great verse. I'm going to be looking at next week as well. It's in Romans chapter 12. It says, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. (laughs) <laughs> there are some people you're not going to live at peace with. You hear what I'm saying? You forgive and you get them out of your section of life. You forgive them, but that doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them. How are How are you supposed to have them have a face-to-face conversation with them if they live in a different state? I <laughs> Really? I mean, it may be that. It may take you take a drive. Yeah, I'd say, you know, one of the things that... Uh,
1: Look at texting, Facebook, any of the multimedia and uh, social media things that we use that are not facial. You know that uh, that we don't use. You think about how we communicate, and one of the ways that we communicate is through our facial expressions and our nonverbal communication. In fact, I believe over seventy-five percent of our communication is nonverbal. And so, if you can shoot a text that might uh, say something, you know, the the I guess the earning of your heart for reconciliation with this person. But they're not going to see that. They're not going to see your facial expressions. They're not going to see how much you hurt and pine for that relationship to be restored, even if you are, even if you have been hurt by them. So I think going to that person. In fact, I mean that's one of the things that Christ says is that you go to your brother. Yeah, you know, and somebody might argue, well, us of course they didn't have texting back then. But there is that underlying uh, facial connection that connecting with that person that just reveals your heart concern for the relationship and reconciliation.